Turn with me, please, to Acts chapter 27. If you remember, and I hope you do, last week we made mention out of Mark chapter 4. We made mention that Jesus Christ told the disciples He wanted them to get into a boat and go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Do you remember? He says, let us go to the other side. Do you remember? Well, they got on the boat, and in the middle of the sea, there raised a tremendous storm. Now, we made mention of this because Paul now is in the midst of a storm. Actually, right now, he's on the very tail end of it. They're going to arrive on land safely today as we're going to read in Scripture. But we made mention that Paul, too, was in this ship, and he is being tossed in turn by this ship. But he is holding on to a promise he has by God. God says, Paul, you must go to Rome. And so he is holding on to that. As we're going to read today, we're going to see that he says, this God whom I serve, this God whom I behold, this God has promised we will make it to the other side. See, what they didn't hear in Mark was when he told the disciples, we're going to the other side, that's what they should have heard. But instead, they saw the storm. Now, nobody could blame them. really couldn't. The seas were very treacherous in those days. So when they saw the sea rising up, remember what they did? They went back, and where's Jesus Christ? He's hitting the sack. He's sleeping in the back of the boat. I mean, the nerve of them. They're they're about to go down. And so they wake him up, and they say, Master, Master, do you not care that we're perishing? He doesn't say it to him right away. He stands up, and you remember what he did? Wouldn't you have loved to have seen this? I told you, I said to you last time, I couldn't have been on the boat because I would have missed it. I would have been over the side going, what happened? It's quiet. You know, he just goes, hush, be still. And then he says to them, oh, you men of little faith. And they step back and they say amongst one another, who is this guy that even the wind and the sea obey his command? Well, see, this is the one whom Paul is trusting in. This is the very same one that you and I can trust in this day to be the one who will calm the seas. And so this message is is really about storms in our lives, difficulties that we go through and how to go through them. I believe that's what the 27th chapter of the book of Acts is truly all about. To give you and me an insight to take a look at Paul and see how he never never feared for his life. Even though the sailors on that ship and and all of the prisoners that were on that ship were, as it says in Scripture, they were abandoning all hope of making it alive. Read with me, please. Acts chapter 27 from verse 33 to the end of this chapter, verse 44. Great, great, great place in the Word of God. Verse 33 says, And until the day was about to dawn, Paul was encouraging them all to take some food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day that you have been constantly watching and going without eating, having taken nothing. Therefore, he says in verse 34, I encourage you to take some food, for this is for your preservation. For not a hair from the head of any of you shall perish. Having said this, he took bread, gave thanks to God in the presence of all. He broke it and began to eat. 
And all of them were encouraged, and they themselves also took food. Verse 37 says, All of us in the ship were 276 persons. And when they had eaten enough, they began to lighten the ship by throwing out the wheat into the sea. And when day came, they could not recognize the land, but they did observe a certain bay with a beach, and they resolved to drive the ship onto it if they could. And so it says in verse 40, they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea while at the same time they were loosening the ropes of the rudders and hoisting the foresails to the wind. They were heading for the beach. But striking a reef where two seas met, they ran the vessel aground and the prow struck fast and remained immovable. But the stern began to be broken up by the force of the waves. It says in verse 42, soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners. None of them should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wanting to bring Paul safely through, kept them from their intention and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to land, and the rest should follow, some on planks and others on various things from the ship. And thus it happened that they all, that they all were brought safely to land. Now, Bill in the first service told me this is the first mention of uh, surfing in the Bible. <laughs> and uh, the, the, the guys that couldn't swim got on those boards and hung ten, you know, and went. Uh, no, but they got to the land. Just as the Lord God had said, they made it to the land safely. Every single one of them. Here's what I want you to note. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to bring out something that I don't think that you and I had thought about, maybe until today. And it's a very interesting part in this place in Scripture. You and I are going to note, as we've already read, that there was someone besides Paul who had a hand in the promises and the destiny of God for these people. And it was none other than that centurion. His name was Julius. Julius had a a concern for Paul. Now, whether Julius was a believer or not, we don't know. The Bible doesn't mention it. I think... He was not, but maybe he was. But the point is, he had a hand in fulfilling the promises of God. And that's going to be a point we're going to make after communion. But before, let's talk about how how these people and how Paul taught us we are to go through the storms of life that we have. Some of you here are going through some deep waters. And I hope that this will be a, an encouragement to you. Some of us here are not. We need to be an encouragement to those who are. Let's pray first. We just uh, had the privilege of reading God's Word. Let's pray thanking Him for it. Father, we do just that. We thank You for family that's here that we could pray for. We pray for the Thompson girls, for Jalen and Peyton. Father, bless them so much. Bless Scott and Tracy to be the parents that You've called them to be in their daughter's lives and for the family as well. Bless them all. And Father, now we ask your blessings upon the Bible that we have just read, the words that we have read that, that, that bring life to our, our very being, gives us food for uh, our, our nourishment. And Father, I pray that you would open up our eyes, that you would open up our hearts, and Father, that you would allow us to behold wonderful things that comes from your words Encourage us, Father. Comfort us, Father. 
Strengthen us, Father. Convict us if need be, dear Father. Do your work in our lives. And for that to take place, I ask, dear Father, that you would move me aside. Please, let us, let us concentrate on the words that you have written to us. Let us see what Paul did and how he handled this storm that was right in the midst of it. And yet, Father, he never faltered. He never, he never even thought for a moment that he would not make it through. And so I ask your blessings upon us, so those of us that are going through some difficulties. Allow us to see, Father, how we too can have the strength of Paul, the encouragement that comes from you. I pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, I want to ask you an important question. Since, since Jesus Christ sent the disciples back in Mark, right into the teeth of the storm, and since He is God, then I say to you, Jesus Christ knew exactly what He was doing. I say to you, He deliberately, deliberately sent these men into this storm for a reason. But therefore, I also present to you that I believe that the Lord God sometimes will deliberately send you and me into what some might call storms of lives. And what we need to do when we are in the midst of this turmoil, this time of, of distress, we need to remember, we need to realize that we can be in a storm at this very moment and still be in the will of God. Jesus never said to anyone, not any of us, that we will miss the storms of life. But what he has told us is this. In the storms, he has promised that he will be with us and allow us to make it to the other side. He will never leave us nor forsake us. That's a promise from the Word of God. Now the other side for us today means heaven itself. And while we go through storms... The comfort that our Lord God promises us will be right there with us as we go. That's the comfort that you and I need. Now, on this difficult trip that Paul is making us, he shows us at least four good tips, if you would, for making it through the storms of life. First and foremost, it's up on the screen, look. First and foremost, we need to recognize the presence of God as we go through the trials God is always with you and me. And we need to understand and believe that He is with us even in the darkest of times. These men did not see the sun, nor did they see the stars or the moon at night for 14 days, which means they had no way of knowing where they were, no way of navigating. They were tossed and turned and driven by the winds and the sea. They had no idea. As they, as they came to this place and they were going to run the ship of aground, they did not know where they were. Look what it says in verse 24. Paul says, God has granted you all those, well the angel said to Paul, God has granted you all those who are sailing with you. Therefore, Paul says, verse 25, keep up your courage. He says, for I believe God. It will turn out exactly Exactly, Paul says, as I have been told. See, Paul recognized the very fact that God was there with him. 
Second thing you need is to rely upon the comfort of others. It was maybe missed because we didn't talk about it much when we started the 27th chapter. But look back at verse 3, the very beginning of this particular chapter. Chapter 27, verse 3. The next day, it says, we put in at Sidon. And Julius, now Julius was the centurion that was told to take Paul from Caesarea to Rome, that he must go to Rome. Julius there, and he treated Paul with consideration, the Bible tells us. He allowed Paul to go to his friends and note, receive care. We need to rely upon the comfort of others, and we need to be a comfort to those who are going through difficulties. I was reminded, and in fact, men, I cannot encourage you enough. If you can come on Wednesday mornings from 6 o'clock to 7.30, in fact, if you can only stay from 6 to 6.30, if you can only stay for a, a time, I know you have to go to work. I understand that. But if you can come on Wednesday mornings, it is such a rich time for us men to gather together, and we kind of get to know each other pretty good. There was a, there was a gentleman that, that had prostate cancer, and, and, and he was going in for surgery. And he went in to the hospital. And when he got there, there were 30, 30 of the men from our group that met him at the hospital, he and his wife. When they walked in, they couldn't believe their eyes that those, the men of our church were there, ready and willing to encourage them, to lift them up and to pray for them. In fact, the, the, the nurses at the, at the hospital were wondering, who is this guy? Is he a president of some corporation or something? I mean, and, and, and Bill was telling us the story Wednesday morning. He said, no, uh, he, he's just a guy that goes to our church, and we just love him and wanted to pray for him. And here's the caveat to that. There were some people there that were having their loved ones also operated on, and they said, would you pray for our loved ones as well? The following week, Neil went into the hospital to have his knee operated on. And when Neil went to the hospital, 15 of the men were there to pray with him and ask God to see him through as he was having his knee operated on. You see, we need one another. Part of the, the whole idea of going through the storms of life is that we've got to believe with all of our heart that God is always with us and we need others to comfort us. And you and I need to be comfort for other people. If, if you can say to me, well, John, I don't have anyone to comfort me, I say to you, find someone. Get into a small group. Like I say, get into Wednesday morning study if you can. Get into another of our mob groups. Get into some church activity. The best way to get friends, you well know, is to become a friend and be a friend to people. The third thing that, that Paul relied upon on his going through this storm was the promises of God. He rests on God's promises. Remember, what God promises, God will accomplish. Look at verses 22, 23, 24, and 25 again. Yet now it says in verse 22, I urge you, keep up your courage. Paul says, there will be no loss of life among you, only the ship. He says, for of this very night, an angel of the God of whom I belong and, and whom I serve stood before me. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who are sailing with you. Therefore, he says in verse 25, keep up your courage, men. Because he says, I believe 
God, it will turn out exactly as I have been told. You see, Paul, with all of his heart, rested on the promises of God because God told him, folks, you and I have been told wonderful promises out of this, the Bible. That's why I encourage you to have your own Bible. When we study through the Bible, make notes in it. When God speaks to your heart as we're going through a message, you might want to underline or take a look at it later and hold on to this wonderful promise, whatever promise it is that you find within the Word of God that you can hold on to that will take you through difficult times. Hang on to the promises of God. Now, ushers, would you mind coming forward? And I'm going to keep talking a little bit. I want to talk about the fourth promise. The fourth thing I believe is perhaps the most important. And that is when going through a difficulty, a time of a storm or some heartache or some point of despair in your life, you you need to know what is God's will for your life. Listen, this is why when Paul was going through the difficulties, one of the things that, that held Paul together was the was the very notion that he knew exactly what he was living for. Knowing what you're living for will not allow you to concentrate so much upon your circumstances or your problems, but it'll place your eyes upon the finish line that God has laid out for you. Look at verses 23 and 24. Verse 23 says this, For this very night, Paul writes, an angel, or actually Luke writes, but Paul says, an angel of the God to whom I belong and to whom I serve stood before me. And this is what he said, verse 24. Don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. You see, Paul knew where and what he was called to be and where and what he was called to do. And this is what drove Paul. This is what gave Paul peace in the midst of where everyone else's life was falling apart. Paul stood strong, knowing his will, knowing that God had a plan for Paul and he was to stand before Caesar. And I say to you, if you do not, you know, I've been pleading with you on a on pretty regular basis. As a matter of fact, if I'm beating this horse to death, just put a note in there and say, you know, enough, John, I got it, shut up. I mean, you know, move on. But I want to encourage you to understand and try to know what is God's will for your life. It, it, makes, it makes living so much, uh, it gives you a purpose, if I might say, to your life. And so the best way I know to find out what is God's will for you is to start getting involved doing God's work here at this church. You either serve Him here or, or, or become active here, get into a group, and He will show you. I believe with all my heart He will show you the exact purpose that He has for your life as a believer. And so as we're passing out communion, I think we're almost done now. I would love for us to just reflect upon these four things for a moment. For those of us here are going through some difficulties, you need to know that God is with you. He will never leave you, nor will He ever forsake you. You then need to be a person that can rely upon others. Let's say those of us here are not going through some difficulties right now. We need to thank God for that. When we take communion, we ought to thank Him for that. But then we ought to, on on the next instant, try to look for some people who are going through difficulties so that we can help encourage them through. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, it says we are to comfort others with the comfort that we have been comforted by God. It's part of our heritage as believers to comfort one another. 
Thirdly, we need to rest on the promises of God. He has given us great promises. He tells us he'll never leave us. He tells us he'll never forsake us. He promises that he will be with you through the difficulties. And fourthly, and I believe so important, get to know the will of God for your life. Because then when you are going through the difficulties, you'll know there is a purpose of why you're doing what you're doing, why you're going through what you're going through. And I I understand it's not easy. I've been through deep waters too, and, and it's not easy. But those four principles will work. And I believe that's why the 27th chapter of Acts was really written, to help us see how Paul made it through the storm that he was in. I believe everybody has uh, uh, the elements right now. I'll let you guys just kind of hold on to these things. We'll, we'll kind of go through it in a second. But maybe just uh, just kind of be quiet right now and just reflect upon your your heart with the Lord. The Bible tells us that on the night our Lord was with the disciples, he uh, gathered them together for what is commonly called the Last Supper. And um, he took some bread and he broke it. And he said an amazing thing. He said to the men, this is my body. It shall be broken for you. And then he says, whenever you eat of it, do so in remembrance of me. And so as we take the bread right now, take it in remembrance of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you and for me. Shortly thereafter, the Lord said an amazing, amazing thing. He lifted up some wine and he said, this is my blood. It shall be shed for you. It's a new covenant. The new covenant that he gave was the forgiveness of sin. From that day forward, when Jesus Christ shed his blood upon the cross, the blood that he shed was shed for you and for me for the forgiveness of our sins. And so Jesus looked at those people and he said to them, Look, whenever you drink of this wine, do it in remembrance of me. Father, what a privilege to be able to uh, collectively take communion and to remember all that you've, you've done for us and who you are within our lives. It's fitting that we would do it on the day that we dedicate our young people going off to um, summer camp. It is fitting that we would do it on a day where we dedicated two young girls, a two-year-old Jalen, a six-month-old Peyton, and their mom and dad, Scott and Tracy, and the family. It's fitting that we would um, remember, Father, who you are. It's fitting that we would have done it on a day where we, we study about Paul going through some terrible, terrible storms, and yet having his courage because he believed in you. He trusted in you. He knew that you were with him. He knew he could rely upon others. He knew, dear Father, that that your promises would be accomplished in his life, and he knew his will. He knew what he was called to do. May we be the same. I pray your your, uh, your blessings upon us in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll raise the lights. Let's just finish this chapter. Let's take a look back at chapter 27. Let's finish up. I want to finish up with something I think is quite strong. In verses 33 to 40, we see that the day was about to dawn. Paul encouraged all of the people on the ship to take some food, prisoners as well as the soldiers. Now Paul's in charge. And he promises them in verse 34, not a hair from the head of any of you shall perish. Not one. 
And then in verse 35, Paul took the bread and he gave thanks to God. Now this isn't communion. This is not why we had communion because Paul is not giving communion there because communion is to be done amongst believers. Paul was giving them nourishment. But in the midst of his giving the nourishment, if you look again at verse 35, Paul gives a tremendous testimony. He said he took the bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of all of them. He encouraged them that he believed God. God was going to do something miraculous within their lives. And as we've learned earlier in this chapter, they gave up all hope of their lives. They thought they were going to die on the sea. And so we learn in verses 36 and 37, all 276 of the men ate. All of them were encouraged. And then in verse 38, we learn that they lightened the ship. They threw over all the food because they were going to abandon that ship. They threw over everything that wasn't tied down. In fact, in verse 40, they cut loose the anchors. The reason being is that so the ship would rise up and kind of uh, be light in the water, so to speak, so it would not hit water. They were hopefully trying, as it says in verse 39 and 40, to get as close to the shore as possible. But... As I've already mentioned, they have been tossed and, te- tossed and turned by the sea so much that they had no clue where they were. In verse 41, we see that they struck a reef. They were close enough to the water, but the waves were starting to hit the back of the boat and was breaking it apart. Of course it would. That ship had been in 14 days and 14 nights of just terrible waters. It was broken up by now. And so the ship started to break up. So what the soldiers decided to do in verse 42 is kill all the prisoners so that no one would escape. You see, they thought these guys could swim to shore and they could just take off. But here's the problem. Look at Acts chapter 12 for just a moment. Acts chapter 12. We already saw this. Soldiers were accountable for their prisoners. In fact, a gentleman came up to me after the first service and said he was in the Navy. He was in the Navy in the Second War. Uh, Don, you might be able to confirm something like this. I didn't know anything of this, not, not having been in the service. But he, some, some Marine came in with a, with a prisoner, and, and the, the Navy guy stood up and, and, and said, I, he started to salute him, and, the, and, the, and the, 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 the Marine came up to him and put a gun to him and said, you sit down and stay down. And the reason being, he learned later that if the Marine lost the prisoner, it would cost him his life as well. I didn't know that to be true. But he said that. But in this case, these men, the the soldiers, were accountable for their, their prisoners. And if they lost them and they made it through alive, they would have the same penalty that was given to the person they were watching. Look, as it says in Acts chapter 12, verses 18 and 19, When the day came, there was no small disturbance among the soldiers as to what could have become of Peter. Well, we already know. We read it and studied. An angel freed him, set him loose from his chains, and took him out of the prison. He's not there anymore. So it says in verse 19, When Herod had searched for Peter, had not found him, he examined the guards, and he ordered that they, the guards, be led away to execution. You see, they were going to kill Peter. Since Peter escaped, that meant that the soldiers, the guards, were going to have to, to die in his place. Stop on chapter 16 on the way back to chapter 27. Remember when Paul was in prison and an earthquake hit and, and, and everything was loosened, all the chains fell off of them, all the doors flew open to their prison cells? In Acts chapter 16, verse 27, when the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. 
we learn from that lesson that Paul shouted out to him, don't hurt, don't do yourself any harm, we're still all here. None of us have escaped. You will not also lose your life. And so we see that they wanted to kill these guys. They didn't want them to get off the ship because they were afraid they'd go to shore, they'd run away, they would have to die in their place. So better they kill those prisoners. Now watch. Watch God's miraculous hand at work. In verse 43, it says the centurion. In verse 43, the centurion was the same gentleman in verse 3. It was, it was Julius. Julius now was the highest in command on that ship. And he would not allow them to harm Paul or any of the other of the prisoners. And so what Julius did was save everybody on that ship, not allowing them to kill them. Thus, without realizing it, Julius helped fulfill the promises of God. There are two people that God used on this journey that we could see. Paul and Julius. Both of them fulfilled the will of God. You know... Without realizing it, there are many people today that are, whether they're saved or not, and without their knowing it, are helping to move this earth towards the destiny that God has for us. And I know you would agree with this. Wouldn't it be better if you and I, rather than serving the Lord without, him, without our knowing it, found out what it is His will for us in our lives? Find out what it is that God has asked for us to do. For us to do as a church. To get involved here in such a manner that we fulfill the promises of God for this church. Wouldn't it be better that we knew what we were doing rather than we do it accidentally? I ask you a question. It's not a trick question. I'm just going to ask you. Which of these two people, Paul and Julius, do you believe got blessed? I'll tell you. Paul. God did not bless Julius if he was not a believer. Julius had no idea what he was doing. Julius was just trying to save his own um, Paul because he wanted to get Paul safely to Rome. And in so doing, he fulfilled the will of God. But he did not get blessed from it, folks. Only Paul received the blessings that he had promised by God that they would all make it through. Paul did what God asked him to do. Julius just did what God made him do. And so I ask you and me, wouldn't it be better in our lives to fulfill the promises of God willfully, hopefully knowing that we're doing something that is furthering the whole kingdom of God and receive the blessings. The reason I harp on this is for you to receive and for me to receive the blessings that God has for us. There's nothing, nothing, nothing richer than to play your bed, your head down at night on your pillow and feel that God had used you this day. There is nothing more wonderful than that. I pray that for you. I pray that for me. And so that's the lesson. The lesson is clear. Making it through the storms. Actually, it's up there, but I can read it there. God is always with you. Rely on others to comfort you and in return comfort others. Rest on the promises of God and find out God's will so that when you go through dark moments, deep times, you know what God has for you and why you're going through it as best you can. And the other thing we learn is that 
you and I can know that God will bless us if we fulfill whatever it is that he has for this earth in which we live. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this, this time. It's, it's really a glorious time to be in this church. These people I love them so much. Thank you, Father, that we could have communion and remember all that you've done for us. For those that are going through any difficulties, I pray, Father, you would, you would truly comfort them, truly allow them to know the purpose of their going through this, this trial, that you would allow them to know that you care you're there with them. You will not leave them or forsake them. Let them know that your promises will be fulfilled in their lives. I pray your blessings upon each. Now, Father, thank you for this, this time. Thank you for Independence Day that we can celebrate this wonderful and great, great country that we live, the United States of America. Thank you for the privilege, Father, of being a part of this great land that you've given us. And may we, Father, may we live in it in a fashion that would please you. Now, Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for everybody here. Bless them, Father. Bless them deeply. I love them so much, Lord. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I do love you all. Man, it's so good of you to be here. Have a great, great day. God bless you. I love you very much.